0: Welcome to Reliability Leader, a podcast about how leaders make organizations that create reliable technology. Hi, and welcome everyone. I'm here today with my good friend, Bill Kennedy from White and Williams Law Practice. Hey, how's it going, Bill?
1: Hey, good, Adam. How are everything up there in Boston?
0: Everything is good up here. Um, you know, we've done some me and, and you and some of your colleagues, we've done some really fun videos where we were talking about a lot of different subjects. And I know people really got a kick out of it. It started with our use case seven, um, uh, you know, the use case seven work that I've been doing and you guys saw some really interesting dynamics with that and litigation and, you know, and mitigating litigation or how to handle it and had a lot of fun things, you know, there that were, I think very interesting. And, um, you and I were starting another, you know, thing we were talking about and just Kind of fun. I was like, all right, we. Could, this is a podcast episode. You know, we ha- we have to do this. Um, but I thought, you know, for people who are who are new to us, why don't you share for a moment a little bit about your practice, and then we'll let's jump into the topic.
1: Sure, thanks. I'm with White and Williams. We're a law firm uh, based out of Philadelphia with offices uh, all up uh, I-95. Uh, if you've got a city uh, along those routes, we've got an office the, along those routes. We have a lot of transactional people, but I work specifically in the litigation field. And so for 30 years I've been defending folks, particularly manufacturers and small uh, sellers of manufactured goods, whether it's consumer goods or industrial goods, and we defend them when they get sued for uh, some Mm -hmm. form of product liability. All right, great. So with that being said, and my
0: audience knows a lot about my interests and reliability in all the ways it affects consumers. And obviously one, you know, way it can affect is you can have failure modes that cause injury, harm, property damage. So that's where our kind of fields cross over. Um, so why don't you start off with what we were
1: thinking of, of well, sharing with everybody? I, I, I'm thinking, Adam, that if folks listen to you a little bit more, they'll never have to run into me. And that's a good, <laughs> good incentive right there. <laughs> right. Most of my clients don't want to see me again because we've been through an unpleasant experience. Yeah. But but when a product is manufactured and designed to be manufactured in a reliable way that's going to work the way it's supposed to and not have failures and defects, then you just don't run into product liability suits. You don't have to deal with the insurance issues. You don't have to deal with the liability issues. And you don't have to deal with the interruptions to your productivity. Um, The more folks will apply use case seven, the more folks will focus on reliability and testing to make sure that a product can be used in a lot of different contexts, not just the uh, principally intended use. The more we focus on that, the more likely it is that you'll never have to run into a guy like me.
0: Yeah. Well, we were talking about, you know, with what patents were granted based on improvement of reliability and And, you know, and ones that are specifically around, you know, um, you know, safety in your work, have Mm -hmm. you seen that work as a, you know, defense or grounds to stand on that? Hey, no, we have specifically made features in our products to mitigate injury and issue. Um, has that been something and did it work well as a defense? It
1: it, it can work. It's, it's part of the, the large stack of cards that you need to have on your table, so to speak. And to have an improvement in a process, to have uh, a patent on an improvement or a patent on the final design that makes a product safer or more utilitarian, that definitely helps us tell the story about how a product was properly engineered, properly designed, properly tested. Um, it, standing by itself, the patent won't win me the case, but it certainly is an important part of the evidentiary stack that we get before the jury. It'll also help someone like you, Adam, coming in as an expert witness on behalf of a client. And when you look at it and see what they went, uh, what went into the design and you see how they actually made a material improvement and they got the patent on it, it'll help you form your expert opinion as well. Yeah.
0: So so the patent part's interesting because, you know, a lot of teams, of course, do a lot of, you know, design changes or influence a design based on, you know, safety, which, you know, and, and performing well, but it's kind of interesting, the idea of documenting that specific feature in a patent, mm-hmm. as opposed to just being, doc, you know, documented more casually in their in their work and you know design documents so you're saying that when it is actually part of and specifically highlights a patent and a unique you know something unique that was worth patenting
1: that really is an entirely another level um, to to build on it, it it's a very important level in terms of that evidentiary pile of facts that we want the jury to understand the patent says to the jury that not only did we take our time and come up with a really thoughtful, good, useful way of making a product better, making it safer, making it um, more attractive to the user or consumer, but it, but to say that we're then going to patent that and make that part of what we integrate into our company's products from this point forward. From, from the owner's perspective, sometimes the patent is simply saying, we want to make sure that uh, no one else can steal this idea. But from the Defense attorney side uh, point of view, the point of view where I come in, I say it's a great idea because once we have a patent on a product, once we have a patent on a new design, once we have a patent on an improved design, it shows how it shows to a jury that might someday have to evaluate our conduct how careful and thoughtful and bright we have been, and that matters when we have to defend a manufacturer. The principal issues, the the law would say, well, the issue is, is the product defective? And there's a definition for what makes a product defective. But we find the best way to persuade juries to find in our favor is not only to win over their minds, but win over those hearts, Win, win them over in heart and mind by showing them what a good company we are. And that's where getting a patent really helps.
0: Yeah, so it's interesting because the cases are really, you know, uh, argued around intent, right? You know, what, you know, did they, was their intent to to try to protect the customer? Was their intent, you know, not, having not even talking about specifically what happened or were they being negligent, right? Like that's, that's the argument, right? From the prosecution is that they knowingly or just Indifferently a lot, you know, didn't protect against this thing happening. So yeah, if you go through all the effort of patenting it, you clearly show that you were pursuing inventing
1: this kind of, you know, protective thing. So it's, there's, there's kind of two principal theories that our opponents, I, I will refer to them as plaintiff lawyers, because the people they represent are the plaintiff in the lawsuit. And these are the kind of lawyers that you see who, of course, are working on a contingency fee. They only get paid if they recover. So they're investors in their case. They're selective about the cases they take. Um, And when they take a product case, they may contend that the company has been negligent in its manufacturer, or they may go with strict product liability, in which case the carefulness of my client is not as much at issue And I have to work a lot harder to get that evidence into court. And that's where the patent, again, can help. It becomes part of the uh, evidentiary stack that we can move into evidence. Might be by having a manufacturing and design expert like you come in and say, well, I understand this has been patented and this is how the product has been improved from prior uh, generations or iterations of it. But we'll get that into evidence and it helps to show what a good company we have been even if the issues in the case are under strict liability, where that kind of evidence is, is a lot harder to get into the court. Yeah.
0: It's kind of interesting. I've recently been um, with, you know, I use failure modes effects analysis as a risk you know assessment tool in the design process. And I've recently been pushing to bring in, you know, especially since we've been working together and learning from each other, uh, recently with one customer bringing the legal team in for the last part of the analysis because they're, it's changing that dynamic of you know we, the engineering teams feeling like they the lawyers are on the other side and that because of all the constraints they see and they're always picturing what they can defend or not defend, constraining what's documented or analyzed. Um, instead bringing them in and kind of helping them instead capture you know, capture these ideas in the right way. And this would be the type of thing that would come out of it. Something that maybe you wouldn't patent because you didn't consider it to be an amazing technical innovation. But like, hey guys, why don't you patent this? Because it shows you know, this is an area where we feel there's
1: exposure. Um, you know, and there, and there are some products, of course, Adam, that have an inherent risk of harm with them. You, know, uh, you and I have talked before about the lawnmower idea. Um, You know, if you make a Frisbee with edges too sharp, that could be trouble. All sorts of products have an inherent danger. And what I find uh, coming in to defend products long after they've been designed and manufactured is we're often talking to clients about concepts of the law that they had not considered during the design and development process. And if they had consulted with us earlier, they probably wouldn't be seeing us later. If they'd consulted with us during the design phase, an experienced product liability lawyer can help figure out what should be documented in your design history. Where should we uh, apply for a patent or other intellectual property protections because it might help us tell a story later. It doesn't add a lot to the process, but it can save a heck of a lot in terms of liabilities down the road.
0: Yeah. Are there any specific uh, patents you can think of that you've come across or you know, even to just in your research or or even direct exposure that you
1: feel fit this i'll I'll tell you where we see a lot of it is really in the automotive industry Mm -hmm. Um, as automobiles have developed and improved over our lifetimes and the lifetimes before we've seen that each additional change when it gets approved when it uh, becomes uh, available in a manufactured vehicle If you look back and you'll see the patent on that, and that helps a great deal when there's any subsequent product liability litigation. And of course, automobiles have an inherent danger. These are little boxes uh, on rolling wheels that we run at 70 miles an hour down the highway. There's an inherent risk with that. Uh, And uh, having patents uh, at the kind of incremental stages on improvements in the product, on improvements in the design, um, that does help a great deal when defending automotive manufacturers.
0: yeah so maybe let's brainstorm a little bit here together how what would be a good way to help teams identify things that they should discuss that you know are worthy of possibly pursuing patenting which takes time and money um, driven by safety more than wanting to protect innovation? Do you think in like a famous effects analysis, you have a symbol or something you put next to things where there's an issue that then obviously is going to drive an action to mitigate the safety of it, but you kind of earmark it for a review at a later time Mm -hmm. to be
1: something like that? That's a a real good way of going through the process. And um, I'd suggest, and I've worked with some small local manufacturers uh, who really didn't have much insight into product liability, hadn't thought about it, but they were good enough to invite me in and uh, help me, allow me to participate in the process. And we went through all these little issues that they had put a little tick mark next to as let's discuss this with Kennedy when he comes in. we were able then to help them figure out how to articulate the documentation, how to demonstrate that this was the right decision for the right reason at the right time, for the right uh, audience, for the right purpose, we can help document that. We understand how these things play out later on down the road. And sometimes that's when we would say, here's a good spot to apply for the intellectual property protection. And here's where it's really not necessary and won't add anything to the, to the uh, uh, overall safety of the product or to the defense of the case later. As our goal so- is to make sure that by the time I leave from the design process, the, the goal really is to make sure that we don't have to run into product liability lawyers later. Right. Well,
0: I know that's your passion and it's, it's so great, you know, to see this proactive idea of, you know, how can we engage with customers to help them, you know, mitigate it, you know, happening later. And that's usually when you get the call, right. Is, is when you're in, the fight started um and and that's my passion too right i don't want to help people fix field problems in existing products i want to engage with them when they're designing it so it never happens and um yeah and it's it's definitely a very interesting um crossover it's kind of neat that you know so many different things we've talked about and i i I you know just simple things like that and just that even something that you know is a simple marker or another scoring for likelihood of being a you know a safety patent um, you know, and that not only does bring it up for review later, but it does kind of remind everybody to invite that legal representation in to provide some guidance on what would be, you know, what would be, because they can, they can obviously picture the situation where this would be brought up, right, and um, help structure it
1: the, the correct way. Well, well I'll, I'll, I'll jump in there, Adam, because what I find, especially with manufacturers that are on a smaller scale or that don't have as long a history It's very hard for most manufacturers, from designers to the uh, people who are crafting the product, it's very difficult for them to ever assume that their product might harm someone. They think it's safe. We've tested it. We've designed it. Of course, it's safe. It can't hurt someone. Sometimes you need to invite the devil into the room, the devil's advocate, Mm. to say, what are we missing here? What are the exposures that we're not anticipating? And that's often where a product liability defense lawyer like me can help, because we know what should be memorialized, what should be documented, what should be kept as evidence to show what our thinking process was, why decisions were made. We can also sometimes eliminate um, uh, some uh, forms of evidence that might be harmful. Maybe someone Uh, A report where someone used inflammatory or loose language to explain a risk, and and you realize if you've tried cases like I have, you realize sometimes those documents look pretty bad when they get shown to a jury three years later after a a, a catastrophic injury. It takes sometimes the outside consultant, uh, whether that's someone like you in reliability or me in product liability defense, to sometimes see what's hard for the folks who are making the product to see up front.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's really interesting. So, yeah. So I would say that, you know, in this discussion, those who are listening that we encourage you to, you know, within your design process, maybe it's an FME type process, other risk assessment process, or simply, you know, anything else where it fits to highlight uh, features that you have specifically integrated for safety and highlight them for further review to see if it's something that you could patent or in another way, show you know what really is important, which is your intent, right? Your intent was to create a safe product and you were aware that that's a possibility. Um, and it doesn't seem like it's it's too hard, right? It could be something as simple as another scoring category.
1: It, it really can be. And and um, these subtle forms of evidence can be really important later on down the road, but much more important than defending the case later on and defending the client later on, much more important is helping them to make it safe upfront. And, uh, again, um, it's, it's just like when I was a kid in seventh grade, the more people see me, the less they want to see of me. I, I don't know what it is. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't progressed beyond that. The more they see me, the less they want to see me. Right. right.
0: <laughs> um, well, that's not the case for me. I always enjoy when we get a chance to talk and collaborate together. I was bummed to hear you were actually up in my area and I didn't, I uh, didn't get to see you. You sound was. like you a very busy schedule though, but, um. Hopefully, uh, yeah, last time we caught up with each other, it was a uh, diner somewhere in the Philly area. That was Um, great. We have great diners down here in Philadelphia. You sure do. You sure do. Um, Cool. Well, thank you so much, Bill. Great to talk with you as always. And, uh, you know, Bill's information uh, and White and Williams will be um, in the description. And uh, I hope everybody's doing well out there. All right. Take care. Bye, Bill. Thanks.